Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. How many of you here for that special Friday night service? Did you enjoy it? I mean, God was just so good. It was, that was just a wonderful time to be together. And, it, and I, I told Pastor, I said, you know, after that service was over, you know, I think during, during that time, you know, he was talking about, you know, just us spending time with the Lord, spending time before the Lord. And I told him afterwards, I said, you know, some of that happened, you know, for our ladies during our ladies' retreat. And then again, you know, this past Sunday night, we found ourselves in that same position. But I, I went back that, that night, and while we were sitting here there during that Friday night service, um, he, he went to this verse. Go with me to Isaiah 41. See, it's important for you to be aware that God's talking to you in a service. Maybe it's not because you're going to minister at some point, but just because you need to be ministered to. There's aspects of your life, questions that you may have, things that may come up. He'll give you answers before you have the question. Maybe you already have the question. He'll give you answers right in the middle of a service. Somebody said it's more important what the Holy Ghost says about what's being said than what is being said at the moment. And that is so very true at times. Anyway, we, were, we got to this. He got to this verse. And um, in verse 31, it says, they, Isaiah 40, verse 31. I'm sorry. Did I say 41? Verse four, See, if you knew your Bible, you'd be there already. Come on now. Just kidding. Isaiah 40, verse 31. And, and I, I, found, I found a lot in this, in this verse. You know, there's, you can take a verse and you can dissect it, you know, and you can take little segments of it and sections. It's amazing what you'll find in there. This says, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And um, I went to the Amplified then. It says, but those who wait for the Lord, who expect, look for, and hope in him shall change and renew their strength and power. They shall lift their wings and mount up close to God as eagles. Mount up to the sun. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint or become tired. You know, just taking this just, just piecemeal. You know, there's, there's some things here that I just want you to look at. That word, they that wait upon the Lord. I've got written here in my Bible, those that eagerly anticipate and serve. I found some other places here today. The New English Bible says, those who look to the Lord. And, you know, that reminded me of Hebrews 12, 2, that says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. You know, there's so many correlations, you know, we can take right out of one verse here in the Old Testament, and we can just take it right over into the New. And um, I, I found, you know, that word wait, you know, in another place, uh, it says, I went to the Hebrew and the Greek 
You know, I don't usually go there because I don't know enough about the Hebrew and Greek to know what, I mean, what all these little things mean. And, you know, it can, it's confusing sometimes to me. But anyway, I got there. And there was, there was this phrase, they that wait upon, that, that, that section, wait upon. And I found in a Hebrew, there's a, a Hebrew connotation of that that says bind together. Those that bind together. And immediately, I went over to Romans 8.26, where it says that he helps our infirmities. And that word help means to take hold together with against. Bind together. Those that bind together with the Lord. Bind together. You know, you just don't, when you look at that word weight, you know, sometimes we look at that strictly. And, and most translations just translate it weight. And, and I know that, you know, for me at least, you know, just looking at weight, I'm thinking, well, those that spend time in his presence, you know, that we're, we're quiet. It kind of leads you back to that, that verse in Psalms that says, be still and know that I'm God. Because, you know, there are times when we're not still. You know, we'd, we come in to, to a time spending with the Lord, and we've got our own agenda. We've got things on our minds. We've got things on our heart. We've got things we need to talk to him about, things that we need him to do for us. You know, there's just, there's just things, things, and we fail to wait on him. You know, and I so appreciate that Friday night. I so appreciate Sunday night a week ago. So appreciate this last Sunday night where we found ourselves waiting on the Lord. And, in fact, Kendra, this is a good place for you to give that testimony about the kids up in Faith Island a week ago. Uh, don't you just like instant, in season and out. Um, so that Friday night, you know, we had several kids here. Um, and to lay a little foundation, we have to give out our praise and worship list to whoever's playing. Try to do it like the Wednesday or Thursday before that Sunday. So that Sunday morning, I woke up after the Friday night service and I had kind of felt like we were supposed to kind of have a joy and rejoicing kind of service with the kids. But then that morning, I kind of sensed God leading towards more waiting upon him. I thought, okay, these are little kids. You know, first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth graders. And I thought, well, Lord, if it, if it goes that way, I'll be sensitive. You know, show me how to do this if this is what you want to do. So we went into our song service and went great, went into our worship part of it. And it just, it fell. And so I just told the kids, I said, sit down, close your eyes, and just put your attention on him. If you want to pray quietly to yourself, you want to praise, whatever you feel led in your heart to do. And out of all the kids looking around, we maybe had one kid that was kind of like this. Kid after kid, eyes closed, praying quietly, meditating, looking. You know, you could just see the reverence in their heart for the things of God. And we stay like that you know, three, four, five minutes, I couldn't tell you because they were so reverential to the waiting upon the Lord. Didn't give anything out, didn't share anything, but they just waited in his presence. And so Sunday night, Leslie Smith came to me and told me, she said, Emily, she asked Emily. Now how old is Emily? Emily's first grade. So six. She's six. So she's in first grade. So Leslie came to me Sunday night and she said, Emily said today, she goes, she asked her how church was. She goes, Mom, it was, it was wonderful. I, we had the best time today. It was the best service ever. 
I could not wait. I, I couldn't believe we were done with praise and worship. I could have gone on and on and on. And, and I told Leslie, I said, we went almost 40 minutes with them singing and then being quiet before the Lord and just other things. The older kids prayed for the younger kids. And, you know, to her, a, a six-year-old, spending 40 minutes in God, just doing what God wants them to do from their heart, you know, and she felt like we could have gone, she wanted to go longer. I thought, well, that's good, because I remember the days where after 10 minutes, the kids are looking at you like, please get done. We've done this. We're, we, let's move on. So The adults do that, too. Yes. So I told, I told Leslie, I said, we better watch it because these kids are in revival. And if we're not careful, they're going to pass us up. So I know this last Sunday they had another glorious service up there and kids ministering to one another. So, you know, it's just encouraging that, that if a six-year-old can spend time waiting upon the Lord as an adult, we can too. Amen. Amen. The thing about it here, you know, when we, we, we stop and we, sit and we think about the word wait, you know, in the context that we generally think of, you know, it's just, it's just being quiet, being still, you know, giving time to it. You know, and you go back and you look at this Hebrew version that says bind together. What that put, you put all that together and what that means is, is I come before the Lord in a place where I'm willing to set everything aside and bind my heart to his. And together we spend time. Together we spend time because I bind my heart to him. You know, the, the implication where, you know, the definition of that Hebrew word, you know, when I was looking at it, it says bind together as in twisting like in a rope. You know, when you take a rope and you begin to twist it together and braid it together, there is strength in that rope where the one single individual strand can be broken easily, when you begin to bind those strands together and you begin to twist them together and, and braid them together, it can't be broken. Listen, there, there's a place for us learning to wait on the Lord, to genuinely wait on him. To, we come into a place like we did this past Sunday night and, and we genuinely find a place where we begin to bind our hearts. I'd like to call it knitting our hearts together with him. Knitting it together. So it becomes the whole piece, one fabric. You know, and, we, and then we, we, we stop and, and we just, and we enjoy the beauty of the moment. Because in those moments, he speaks to us. In the moment, he comforts us. In the moment, he lifts us up. He encourages us. There's so much that happens in those moments where we find ourselves waiting on him, binding and knitting our hearts together with him. And, and you know, there's so many times that, that we probably have missed opportunities. You know, times when we've, we've gone away, you know, and, and well, there, you feel like there was more. Well, you know, Maybe we're learning. Maybe it's time for us to learn more about just, just stopping, being still. You know, spending time with God in a, in a room like this with people that we love and that we cherish that, are, that, we're, that God has put us together with means that sometimes there's just utter silence in the natural. But there's no silence going on in the spiritual realm. God is at work. God's talking. 
There are things happening. You can't hear it with these physical ears. You can't see it with your physical eyes. You can't understand it with your natural reason. But things are happening. Things are happening. If a six-year-old can experience the presence of God, the rest of us can certainly. They say a child's attention span is about one minute per, per whatever age they are. Some of you should have a long attention span. <laughs> and yet we come in in those times. That, I mean, we, I've seen it over the years. Those times when the quiet just settles in. After just two or three minutes, people start getting fidgety. Listen, it's time for us to learn. Don't get fidgety. This is a sacred place, a holy place. You know, we used to sing an old song, you're standing on holy ground. That, to me, is, is some of the most poignant times that I can imagine where you just sense being in a holy place, a place where God is just surrounding you, enveloping you. There's nothing but you and him. And everything and everybody else around you just disappears. You know, you're, you, become, you come to a place where you're just not aware. Just like Emily that day. They tell me she was just like this, you know. You're just not aware of anything or anybody. Just you and him. See, that comes from waiting on him. Binding yourself together with him. We need to do more and more of it. So much of what we struggle with would become a non-struggle because of those kinds of times. Where if our hearts are open and we truly have let our heart become knitted with his, things will change. You know, this verse says, they will mount up with wings as eagles. They will run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. There's change. There's change. Sometimes it's a physical change. Sometimes it's an attitude change, a heart change. Maybe you come in with, with something that's on your mind. Maybe, it's, maybe you come in with some attitude about something, uh, you, know, uh, you know, an issue you got with somebody or something or, or just an issue you have just within yourself about how you're feeling about yourself. And in the middle of those waiting times, change comes. And you walk out a different person. Because you were willing and ready during those times just to wait on him. See, wait doesn't mean 30 seconds. Sometimes it takes us more time than it should simply because it takes us more time for us to quiet this thing up here and to put our flesh aside. You know, in a service like that, if you're standing and it's comfortable, fine. If it's not, sit down. It's okay. If you and God are having your your encounter of the moment, kneel. When it comes to waiting on him, do what's in your heart to do. Just do what's in your heart to do. And just, you know, just do like Emily. Just let the world disappear. Just let everybody just be gone. You know, if you, if you close your eyes, you don't know that anybody's looking at you. You know, it doesn't matter. You open your eyes, say, I'm done. You know, but sometimes we get so concerned about, okay, what's everybody doing? 
You know, let's look around and say, oh, is anybody else still here but me? I mean, is, there, is anybody else, you know, got their eyes closed? Anybody got, no, just concentrate on you and him. Those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. You know, and, and, and then I went on, and, and that, that Friday night, Pastor made the statement that that word renew in another translation says exchange. Shall exchange. Isn't that what the gospel is all about? Is exchange. He's taking what we have and giving us something to replace it with. And, and I began to sit there that night and I began to think of just a couple of things. And since then, more has come about what we change when we spend time with Him. How about in Isaiah where it says, He gave me beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, a garment of praise. For the spirit of heaviness. Ex- great exchanges all the way around. Beauty for ashes. When my life looked like it was just it was just all consumed, there was nothing left, he gave me beauty again to look at. Instead of ruin, he gave me something wonderful that he was building on the inside of me. The oil of joy for mourning. When sadness tries to take over, He renews me by by bringing me back to a place where I can be glad. I can rejoice in him. I can say, you're the God of my salvation. I can rejoice in you, Lord, because nothing else matters. A garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Listen, if we would just get that through our thick skulls, that when things are weighing on us heavily, if we would just put the garment of praise on, We'd find ourselves in a whole lot better situation very quickly. I can't tell you the numbers of times, you know, that I just began to sing, you know, and, and, so, and some, you don't start off singing, you know, real, ah, ah, ah. sometimes it's just really like, I'm just making myself do this. I remember a, a time where, I mean, I was, my heart was heavy. I was, I was really discouraged about some things, I really discouraged about something that somebody had said, somebody had, 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 had done, and had really had hurt me to the core. They didn't know I had overheard a conversation, but I had, and it had just cut me to the quick. And, uh, you know, for those of you who think that pastors have a real tough hide, think again. We have to look like we have a tough hide. And that's not always the case. Sometimes the enemy can take words. You know, they say, the old kids thing, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never harm me. Listen, words will hurt you worse than sticks and stones. Because the enemy will take somebody's words and keep bringing it back to you over and over and over again. Even, see, especially in, in a, well, in any relationship, I guess, and this is true. I started to say in marriage, but in any relationship, this is true. Be careful what you say to somebody. Even if you come back and you say, I'm sorry, I didn't mean that. You have just given the enemy a tool to use against that person when they're down. Do you realize that? You have just given them a tool, given the enemy a tool. Because I'm telling you what, there's, there's always a place when somebody is, is just, you know, you're going through a dry place, you're going through a place where you're struggling a little bit, and the enemy will come along and he reminds you of something somebody said. 
what that person said to you. And if you, if you dwell on it all, then it begins to take a, on a life of its own. And suddenly you've got this big, huge thing now that you've, that you've got to try to get past again. And then he tries to bring back the person who said it to you, bring them up to you, you know, remind you, this person said this thing, and now suddenly now you've got to deal with, with being offended at that person again. Not only what they said to you, now you've got to deal with what they said to you about you. Now you've got to deal with struggling to keep yourself out of being offended again. You see the cycle? It's a vicious cycle. Just be careful what you say. But I remember that particular day, I, I, I got a hold of a, of a song that we used to sing, God will uphold me. God will preserve me. God will sustain me. And, you know, I didn't sing it with much enthusiasm to start with. But, you know, the beauty of a, of a song that's based on Scripture is it's not real long, and you can sing it a whole lot. You know, you can sing it over and over again. The more you sing a song like that, the one that God brings to you in a moment like that, the more you sing it to you, suddenly the reality of it begins, begins to go, yeah, yeah. It begins to rise up big on the inside of you. And suddenly, you know, it changes everything. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. One, that's one of the great exchanges. In Second, First Peter 2, 9, he says he's called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Great exchange there. Do you know how dark things were where you were walking until God got a hold of you and showed you some light? He's given you light in the place of that darkness that you walked in. He's given you righteousness for your unrighteousness. Something we have to remind ourselves of all the time. You know, when the enemy tries to tell us that we're not worthy, it doesn't matter whether I'm worthy or not. It matters that he's worthy because he's given me his righteousness. This has nothing to do with me. It's had everything to do with him. See, he gave, that's the great exchange he gave us. He took that old ugly stuff that we had and gave us something that only only he had, and only he could give. Amen. Then there's strength for weakness. You know, over in Second uh, Corinthians 12, you know, the Lord said to Paul, he said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in your weakness. He took our weakness and gave us his strength. You know, this, this verse in Isaiah says, you, she will renew their strength. Well, you renewed it from what? From your weakness? Now you're strong. There's an idea over in, uh, uh, I think it's Psalm 103, where it talks about your youth being renewed like the eagles. And I was looking at a Hebrew version of that today, too. And it was, it was talking about like when uh, an, a bird molts. And, new, and new, new wings, new feathers come out. You know, let all that old junk go. Just let it go. You know, you're molting like a bird. Leaving all that nastiness behind. And, and letting the newness come out. Amen. He's given us rest for our labors. He's given us life for death. He's given us health in place of sickness. He's given us victory in place of defeat. He's lifted us up when all the enemy wanted to do was hold us down. 
I tell you what, he's put us in a wonderful place. When you stop and you think that he has caused us, he's caused us to be seated in heavenly places, how much higher can you get? All that stuff is just down here, just, just down here. This is where the enemy wants to keep you is just down here. But the only down here that he needs to talk about is the place where he's under our feet. That's the only down he needs to know anything about. And the only, that's, you don't need to know anything about down except the fact that he is under your feet. Because you've been raised up to be seated with him in heavenly places. So the gospel is always all about the great exchange. Everything. You know, everything that we had, he has come in and completely and totally taken away and replaced it with something wonderful. Hallelujah. Says they shall run and not be weary. You know, if, I'm, I'm thinking about running the race, you know, and, and you go over to Hebrews and you, and you see that we're going to run with patience the race that's set before us. Run it. Run it. And that word patience can also be endurance. Same thing as strength. The runner needs endurance. That's strength for that run. You know, no matter what the run is, in God, you've got the strength you need to keep running. And no matter how long or how short the race is, you've got the, you've got the endurance. You've got the ability. Hallelujah. They shall walk and not faint. Listen, Galatians talks about don't be weary in well-doing. For in due time you will reap. Be strengthened in those things. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You know, and so after, after I got through with all of that, then, then the Lord led me over to Matthew 11. And we're going to tie this back together at some point. Starting in verse 28, it says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You know, so many times we look at that verse, you know, in the light of just salvation. You know, that we were without him. You know, just come and lay our lives down, you know, and, 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 and just he will give us rest. Yeah, we can rest in our salvation. You know, it's so easy when the enemy comes, when, you, when you're established in the fact that you belong to God, that you are a new creature in Christ Jesus, that you are going to heaven, that you belong to him, the enemy comes to you and goes, oh, you know what you're talking about. You're not born again. That's the most ridiculous thing I ever heard. I know that. I know that I know that I know that I know that I know I know I know I know. You know, that's the way we need to be sure about so many things. Instead of letting the enemy try to, to make us question what God has done or is doing in our lives. I know, I know, I know. I asked according to his word. And I know that he always hears me. And I know it's done. That's what faith is all about. You, the same kind of faith that you got, that you used when you got born again, is the same kind of faith you use for everything else. It's the same thing. And yet we struggle. So We try working at it so hard sometimes. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. God's saying, 
Stop struggling with all that. Just come to me. Just come to me. Just come here. Just rest in this. And understand that the same faith you used to get born again, the same faith you used when you got filled with the Holy Spirit, is the same faith you use when you have a financial need. It's the same faith you use when you have a physical need. It's the same faith you need that you use when you have any kind of a need. The same thing. Just that simple. Just that simple. Verse 29 says, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And see, I knew that this word yoke has more than one connotation. And the one that you and I think of almost all, all the time is something that's oppressive. Some kind of a great heavy burden you know, of sin, of duty, of responsibility, of work, of effort, whatever. But see, that's not what God intends at all. When he talks about yoke, he's not talking about anything that's heavy. He's not talking about anything that's, that's burdensome. You know, we, we, we talk about the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. Well, yes, that, that, in that connotation, I believe that word yoke is probably something that, that is a great burden. A great, you know, load to have to carry. You know, we talked, if you look about the children of Israel, they were under a great yoke. They had the yoke of, of Egypt on them. But see, when he talks about his yoke, it has nothing to do with that part of it. I looked up uh, just, just a general definition of yoke. Listen to this. A type of harness which connected two animals for plowing or pulling. It went on and says this. A yoke was required to link them together so that they could work efficiently. Aha, back to Romans 8.26. He helps our infirmities. Takes hold together with us against. That's the yoke he's talking about. He wants us to yoke ourselves up with him. Take hold together with him while he takes hold together with us. See, it's a two-way street. But the reason for it is so that we can work efficiently. We've been given a job to do down here. All of us have been made ministers of reconciliation. That is our job. That is job one. You ever go to a job? interview and you decide you, you'd like this job and they give you a, a list of job requirements. These are what your duties are. Listen, your number one duty, if God, if God gave you a job requirement list, would be the ministry of reconciliation. For you to go out and share the gospel, share the good news, share all the wonderful things that Jesus has provided for us in the atonement and in his shed blood, in his resurrection, in the things that he did, the stripes that he took, to share that with people. But he said, take my yoke. He wants us to, to get in line with him so that we can work efficiently at the job he's asked us to do. It's a place where we willingly submit to that. Willingly submit. You know, you have to get into, a, two, two, two animals have to get into that harness willingly. I mean, you know, I've watched a rodeo or two. You know, I've watched some animals who were not cooperative See, God's not, if you're not cooperating with him, there's just no point in going any further. We have to be willing and obedient when we put ourselves in that place that we take his yoke upon us. Willing and obedient. 
Because he wants to help us work together efficiently. You know, I was reminded today of the trapeze artists. Um, You know, these guys are depending on one another. You see, God's depending on you and you're depending on him. But it's not like one guy is doing all the holding. There's holding from both ends. Or else it's not going to work. Somebody's going to fall if only one person's doing the holding. But no, they've got their hands together. They're holding on to one another. There's contact here. There's strength in here. You know, I am, I am holding him and he's holding to me. It's a two-way street. He wants us to take his yoke. Just get in line to get in gear. To come and walk with him. Because it's easy. His burden is like, it's not a burden. Some people look at, at, at sharing the gospel with other people as some kind of a burden. It's not a burden. It should never be a burden. If you understand that he's here to take hold together with you, it will never be a burden to you. It will be something that you eagerly anticipate being able to do when you come up against somebody who needs to hear what you have on the inside of you. Hallelujah. You know, in most, in most situations where you've got a couple of animals that have been, who have been harnessed together, one person takes, one of those animals is really the lead animal. And the other one is willing to go along with it. Just gets in line, ready to work with them. You know, even in a church situation, you know, there's, we're actually kind of harnessed together. Pastors and congregation. Willing to let God put us together. Willing to let the lead person take the lead. But yet moving along together at one pace, in one direction, all with the same purpose, the same heart, the same mind, the same goal, the same purpose. Isn't that what it's all about? You know, and I, I, was, I was looking at this, and I began to think, now, Lord, you know, he was, what came to my mind was what does revival have to do with this, Lord? Because revival kept coming up. What does revival have to do, have to do with this? And I, and, I, and I thought, okay, you know, there's some things when we find ourselves really giving ourselves willingly to the revival that God is wanting to expand, that he wants to enlarge upon this earth, there will be things naturally, you know, that we will need to do willingly. Willingly. I, I, I began to think about the revival that was in Brownsville a few years ago. Do you, how many of y'all remember that? And they had services every single night for how many years? I don't know, several, wasn't it? Was it three years? Was it three years? Can you imagine? I mean, I marvel at the dedication of that church body to come every single night. To come. Now, I mean, I'm sure that there were times when somebody had to say, well, you know, I can't, I've got to do this, I've got to do this. But their heart was there, obviously. 
I just want to remind you that when God starts, starts dealing with us and starts using us in times of revival, there may be times where it looks on the outside like, I don't know about this. I, I, don't, think I, can, I don't think I can pull this off. Listen, days that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Whatever needs to be done, his grace will be there to get it done. But it only happens when we're, number one, yoked up with him. And number two, that we're willing to be led into those places. Be ready and willing to work together with him during those times. Am I saying we're about to be another Brownsville? Absolutely not. But you know when pastor calls a special service on a Friday night, I can, I can just, I can just, I heard about it while I was in California. I went, what? What's that all about? And yet, when it was over, I went, I understand. You know, sometimes I'm thick-headed, Lord. You know, and all I can think is, another night? Like, I'm the only person who thought that. (laughs) Not. But, you know, there may be more of those kind of times. You know, and I was, I was, I mean, I was pleasantly surprised at how many people came out that night. And knowing how many people said, I'm sorry, I can't be there were just so sad that they couldn't be here. So like, oh, I, I'm sorry, I can't be there. I mean, I would if, if I could. And knowing how many of those people that there were, I just said, now, Lord, that shows me that there's a heart here to follow you. There's a heart here to do whatever you ask us to do, knowing that you'll be the one who will strengthen us You'll be the one who who will work together with us. But you see, so much of that really comes from those times of waiting on him, binding our hearts together with him. So that when those times come that he, that he, he says, let's do this, you go, yes, sir, let's do that. I'm ready. I'm ready. I, whatever it takes, Lord, I'm ready. And so that's how I put those two, two areas back together. I just, I just sense that God's got so much for us. Something so special. Something so much more than what we can actually imagine. More than what we could have envisioned. And it's not for other people. It's for each one of us with nobody left out nobody left out because as we move forward I see more and more hearts that are being bound together with him and bound together with each other and people who are willing to put aside whatever needs to be put aside Make changes in schedules, make changes here, make changes in heart, make changes in attitude to see that God is able to do exactly what he wants to do. Exactly what he wants to do. And the good news here, the sooner that he gets to do what he wants to do, the sooner we're out of here. Isn't that a good thing? You know, I, so many times I just think, well, you know, Lord, you haven't come back yet. Is it because we've been holding you up? 
because we haven't been ready to do the things that you need us to do to get people to a place where, where the, the earth is taken care of. We got the harvest in. We got all things done. Now we can go. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's waiting on us. Pray then the Lord, the Lord of the harvest that he would send laborers into his field for they're white unto harvest. Are they? You know, so much starts with us. Waiting on him. In that waiting, we're strengthened, we're built up, we're encouraged. He, he gives us vision. He gives us purpose. He gives us strength. He gives us whatever we need. But I tell you what, I want more and more to be yoked together in the kind of yoke that he's talking about here so that we can work together efficiently to do what needs to be done so that he can come take us home. Amen. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.